Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to this Come Follow Me podcast of the Book of Mormon. This is going to be lesson number 34. It's going to cover Helaman chapters 7 through 12 and will be for the period of August 24th through the 30th. <clears throat> so let's get into this one. There's a lot of material here, so let's see how far we get. All right, so what's happening now is that um, Nephi, who's the son of Helaman, comes back to Zarahemla, and uh, the Gadianton robbers have now taken over the government, it mentions in verse 4, um, and that uh, there's a great iniquity among the Nephites in, in the space of not many years. Um and so Nephi is complaining in verse 9. He says, I am consigned that these are my days. He was wishing that he could live back in the days of Nephi, thinking that uh, that was kind of the golden years of the Nephite history. Uh, actually, it wasn't all that good, but, uh, you know, we kind of romanticize sometimes prior eras. Nephi is praying in his garden in this chapter. As we begin uh, verse 10, it mentions he's upon a tower, not not a Ramiumptum type tower that the uh, Zoramites had, but a different kind of tower. And it's in his garden, apparently. And he's praying out loud, loud enough that people hear what he's praying and they come and listen. Uh, and so when he stops his prayer, uh, verse 13, it mentions, um, it came to pass that he opened his mouth and said, why have you gathered yourselves together that I may tell you of your iniquities? And so now he begins to tell them about what, what they're doing wrong. He commands them in 17 to repent. Uh, because of their hardened hearts that they um, that they need to repent and and uh, instead of gathering uh, the Lord's going to scatter you so uh, and don't seek for riches but seek to uh, to um, be holy followers of God uh, verse 22 he mentions that woe is going to come come upon them unless they repent um, but this doesn't sit very well with them um, he mentions in verse 29 he says I don't say these things of myself uh, but because the Lord has made them known unto me, therefore I testify that they shall be. So as he testifies and prophesies about things to come, uh, the people are just not believing it. Verse 8, or chapter 8, uh, he mentions here that the judges who are uh, who are members of the secret band of Gadianton are angry with them. And so they tell the people that Nephi is doing this terrible thing. He's stirring up uh, things. He's saying false things about them and their government. And he's trying to get, they're trying to get the people to be angry with them, but they, but that's not working out quite well. Um, in verse 5, it says, Why do you suffer this man to revile against us? Um, we know that it's impossible that we be destroyed because we're so powerful. And so they're trying to stir up the people. Uh, but the judges won't take him prisoner. Rather, they're trying to get the people to do it. Um, it says in verse 10 that the people who sought to destroy Nephi were compelled because of their fear that they did not lay their hands on him. And so they can't do that. And so then Nephi realizes what's going on. And, and so he begins again to speak. Uh, verse 11, he was constrained to speak more unto them. Uh, talking about uh, anciently what happened with uh, Moses crossing the Red Sea. That Abraham saw the coming of Christ. And, and uh, that uh, 
Others were also prophesying of Christ, as all as all prophets do. He talks then in uh, 19 about Zenos and Zenic and Isaiah, uh, who also prophesied, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and, Jer and, and, and other prophets that testified of, of Jesus Christ's coming. And uh, then he talks in verse 22 about Lehi being driven out of Jerusalem and that they were destroyed and and uh, and the coming forth to this land. Uh, and verse 24, he says, you cannot deny that except you lie, because this is obvious. Verse 24, 25, but behold, you have rejected the truth and rebelled against your holy God. Uh, and so he's there uh, telling him all the things that they're doing wrong. Now, at the end of chapter 8, because now he's pro been prophesying about their destruction and about their wickedness, now he's going he's gonna to do a prediction here that they can't uh, refute to show that everything else he's also said has been true. So at the end, he says, um, behold, it is now even at your doors, uh, in verse 27, behold, your judge is murdered, and he lieth in his blood, and he hath been murdered by his brother, who seeketh to sit on the judgment seat. And behold, they who belong to your, he belongs to your secret band, whose author is Gadian, and even the evil one who seeketh to destroy the souls of men. <clears throat> and so in, in uh, at the end of chapter 8, then Nephi predicts or prophesies that the chief judge has been killed, been killed by his brother and he's um, and so you can you can see if, the, if these words are true so now in chapter 9 the chief judges uh, pick five guys and goes and they tell them to go find out what's happened to the chief judge <clears throat> they run to the place where the chief judge is um, makes you kind of wonder if you'd want to be the chief judge huh? or at least uh, you'd think that they would build up security forces because it seems like almost all the chief judges get assassinated uh, sounds like sounds like they need to have better guards around them uh, anyway, the five go and and uh, they come into the judgment seat. They find the king dead, and uh, they're so astonished. And as they're running, by the way, as they're running to the judgment seat, they're saying to themselves, "We know that this isn't true; that he's not dead. But uh, we're just going to go and prove that Nephi is a false prophet." And so, as they get there, it mentions in um, in uh, verse four that they did not believe what Nephi said, um, but that they realized that uh, uh, in verse six. Uh, the servants ran and told the people uh, so that these five come. They realize what's happened. They fall down because they're so astonished. Uh, they pass out. I wonder if the altitude was just too high for them so that they lost their oxygen, so they pass out. Um, in verse 6, it mentions that the cry of murder was heard among the people. And when they came running into the place of the judgment seat, they find in verse 7, the five men who had fallen to the earth. And of course, the, the assumption is that God has stricken them and has caused them to be smitten because they were the ones that killed the killed the chief judge. And so they cast them into prison. There's a proclamation sent that says that the chief judge has been killed and we have their murderers. And so um, as they as this happens, um, the they have the burial of the chief judge and the fire and the chief and the judges are asking, what happened to those five people that we sent? And the people say, well, we don't know anything about the five that you sent, but we did find five people that we think are the murderers, and they've been cast into prison. So they bring them forth. Verse 13, it says, And it came to pass that the judges desired uh, that they should be brought, and they were brought, and, they, and behold, they were the five that were sent. And uh, these judges then asked them what happened. He says, well, we ran to the place of the judgment seat. We saw, even as Nephi had said, in verse 14, and we fell to the earth, and when we recovered, uh, they cast us into prison. And so we don't know who did the murder, but we know that uh, that Nephi was telling the truth about this. And so um, 
And so now the chief judges are saying, well, we know that Nephi must be confederate with, uh, with whoever was the murderer. So now we're going to go detect this man, it says in verse 17, that he shall confess his fault and make known unto us the true murderer of the judge. So they go back to Nephi. Uh, and they capture him in verse 19. It says, They caused that Nephi should be taken and bound and brought before the multitude, uh, saying, Thou art confederate. Who is the man who hath done this murder? We behold, here is money, and also we will grant unto thee thy life, if thou wilt tell us. So they're going to grant him immunity, apparently, which probably they wouldn't really do. Um, but uh, if you just confess, because we want to prove you that you're not a true prophet, uh, but, uh, but we want to know what happened. So Nephi in 21 says, O ye fools, um, ye blind, ye stiff-necked, you ought to howl before uh, you ought to howl and mourn because of the great destruction which lies ahead. Uh, he says, "I have done this that uh, you know because I have done this." He say that I have agreed with a man that he should do this thing. Behold, I say, go to the house of Seantum, who is the brother of Seazorum, and say unto him, "Has Nephi, the pretended prophet, who doth prophesy so much evil concerning this people, agreed with thee in the which he have murdered Seazorum, who is your brother?" And so he's going to say, "No." And he's, and then you'll say, have ye murdered your brother? And he'll stand with fear and not know what to say. And behold, he shall deny that he, sh and he shall be as if he was astonished. And then you examine him and notice that there's blood on the skirts of his cloak. And then you'll say, what, um, where does this blood come from? And then he'll grow pale, he'll tremble uh, as if death has come to him. And because of this fear and paleness, then you'll say, uh, we know that you're guilty. And then he's going to say, um, and he'll confess in verse 34, he'll confess unto you and deny no more that he has done this murder. And then he shall say unto you that I, Nephi, know nothing concerning the matter, save it were given unto me by the power of God. And so then in verse 37, it says that they went and did, even as according to Nephi, and behold, the words which he said were true, according to the words he did, he did deny, and according to the words he did confess. And he was brought to prove that he himself was the murderer. And so here Nephi is being proven... Um, to be innocent and that the that his brother was the one who actually committed the murder and so now what this is doing is bearing testimony that the other things which he has said concerning the destruction of the nephites was also true and that's the point of having all of this done uh, and so now at the end of chapter 9 a lot of the people think he's a god or a prophet uh, because he's done this chapter 10 um, nephi is heading home just kind of like what what happened to alma when he was rejected by the people uh, but then an angel comes uh, and tells him, uh, verse verse 4, um, a voice comes to Nephi and says, For the things which thou hast done, for I have beheld that thou hast with unwearyingness declared the word which I have given unto thee. Um, but thou, uh, And so I know that whatever you say, whatever you do, will be according to my word. And so um, even that all things shall be done unto thee according to thy word, in verse uh, 5, and for thou shalt ask, for thou shalt not ask that which is contrary to my will. So the Lord is telling him here that I know that whatever you ask of me, I will grant because you won't ask for anything that's wrong. Um, and so what, what is happening here is that Nephi is being given, if he hadn't already received it, apostolic powers to be able to do the things that uh, to seal on earth, as it mentions in verse 7, and to seal in heaven, those things that he, he, he seals on earth and looses in heaven and so on. And so he's allowed to do that. Uh, and so he says in verse 12, it came to pass when the Lord spoke these words unto Nephi, he did stop uh, and did not go to his own house, but did return again and is preaching again to the people. And uh, and they try to take him. Uh, they try to put him into prison. But notice in verse 16, the power of God was with him and they could not take him to cast him into prison for he was taken by the spirit and conveyed away out of the midst of them. 
And so he was transported by the Spirit to a different place. Wouldn't it be nice to have that ability so that if you wanted to go somewhere, you didn't have to get in the car and drive somewhere. You could just teleport yourself. There's lots of other experiences in the Old Testament and New Testament, uh, people being transported this way. Uh, we know that um, Mary was carried away in the Spirit at the conception of Jesus, that Nephi was carried away to a, a mountain that he'd never seen before. And uh, Philip, who was who baptized the eunuch, had said that the Spirit caught him away and carried him to another place. So there's, this is uh, not an unusual thing. It's happened several times in the scriptures, but here it happens to Nephi to protect him. All right, chapter 11 then. Um, Nephi is crying unto the Lord still and says instead of the, because now because of his preaching, there's become a division among the people and they're, they're actually becoming um, contentious one with another and they're beginning to kill each other. And so Nephi says, rather than having them kill each other by the sword, it would be good if you could cause a famine to happen in the land, which might uh, get their attention, get them away from killing each other of these contentions and focusing more on survival. And so um, verse 5 of chapter 11 mentions that uh, there was a great famine upon the land among all the people of, the ne of Nephi. Uh, and so the famine did continue for several years and, and the, the destruction by the sword stopped. And that's because they're focusing their attention now on the on survival because there there's a famine there's uh, all these problems with the weather and so on um, and so later on as they repent in verse eight it says that they that the people began to plead with their chief judges to ask Nephi uh, to have the famine disappear to go away and so they they are repenting Nephi then comes to the Lord in verse ten. And says that the Lord has the people have repented. So would you uh, take away the famine? And sure enough, it begins to rain pretty soon. Their fruit comes back. Their trees grow back again. Their fruit comes on the trees, and they're uh, they're allowed to to survive here, and they they overcome that. Now, in the process that this famine has occurred, that it's also killed off a lot of the Gadianton robbers, and so now it's just uh, the righteous that are that have been spared, uh, except that that is going to be kind of short lived. It mentions in verse 19. Uh, regarding Lehi, Nephi's brother, that he was not a whit behind him as to things pertaining to righteousness. And that is what we should be. We shouldn't be not a whit behind those that are righteous too. It's not just Lehi that's not a whit behind Nephi, but it should also be us that is just as, as righteous as Nephi, as Joseph Smith, as anybody else that we know that's a prophet or apostle or whatever. Um, all right. Um, so they're having some disputes over points of doctrine. It mentions in verse 22, uh, there's never a good reason to have arguments over doctrine. It's either true or it's not. And even if you're true, even if you're on the right side, it's not. It's still not good to argue. Uh, so we shouldn't contend one with another like that. Um, down to verse 30, it mentions that the Gadianton robbers come back again uh, after they've had a, a few years of peace, um, and they're beginning to do evil again. And it mentions at the end of chapter 11 that they're ripening in iniquity. So they just can't. Uh, they just can't help themselves, I guess. Chapter 12, um, so uh, in this chapter, uh, it mentions that because of their prosperity, that pride begins to enter in again, and uh, they're thinking that they don't need any help from the Lord anymore, uh, but uh, that the Lord, ever mindful of their difficulties, in verse 3 it says, except the Lord doth chasten his people with many afflictions, yea, except he doth visit them with death and with terror and with famine and all manner of pestilence, they will not remember him. And so as we strive to... Uh, to be obedient to the commandments, uh, the Lord is going to chasten us from time to time to to cause us to remember to keep our covenants and to be where we need to, remembering that the Lord chastens those that he loves. So chastening is always a good thing. 
Uh, he talks again about the pride that enters in in verses four and five, how quick they are to do pride, to have pride. Um, but in seven, how great how great is the nothingness of, of children of men. Now that means nothingness, nothingness without Christ. Uh, and then that they are less than the dust of the earth, meaning that the earth obeys the commandments of God, whereas man does not. We are the, we are the, the rebellion one, the rebellious ones. He mentions in uh, 15, 16, 17 that, uh, that as they try to hide their treasures, that they become slippery to them and that they can't find them the next day. Uh, but then in verses uh, toward the end of the chapter here, it sounds like uh, Nephi is giving a farewell. Um, Blessed are they who repent. May God grant in his great fullness that men might be brought into repentance and good works. I would that all men might be saved. Uh, but we read in the great and last day, there are some who shall be cast out, meaning those that are not going to be in the celestial kingdom will be cast to other kingdoms or into outer darkness, depending on their situation. Um, and that uh, our, our ultimate hope is that we end up in the celestial kingdom with our heavenly father to be with him forever. I bear testimony that these things are true. And we can learn great things from this book of Helaman that we've just finished uh, as we study uh some of the things here that, that sound like they might be happening in our day, uh, that uh, as, as President Benson said, um, that we have uh, uh, some lessons to learn here from, uh, from the book of Helaman. We have a few more chapters of Helaman left, uh, so we'll get into that in the next week. Uh, we'll talk to you later. I bear testimony that these things are true and say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.